Sedestin holding flat on the boards in front of the 200. Dr. Grace and Sedestin are challenging and better loosen up on the extreme outside. Sedestin and Sedestin have come away. They're fighting it out. Better loosen up on the extreme outside is roaring clear and better loosen up wins the Sedgeno. Sedestin second. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Pride's Easy Feed. A message for trainers of thoroughbred, standard bred and performance horses. Pride's Easy Feed would like you to know a little more about a new product called Energy Pack, a top-up feed designed to replace cracked or flaked corn in a horse's diet. Energy Pack comes in small cubes of extruded corn and full-fat soybean and is six times more digestible than raw corn. Energy Pack isn't a complete feed. You simply use it to top up your horse's normal ration. Energy Pack will help you to stay ahead in the war against acidosis. Energy Pack comes in 20 kilo bags and is a palatable con- concentrated source of energy. Speaking of acidosis, Pride's also recommends Easy Light, a great tasting electrolyte. Its glucose and fruit flavoring is just the ticket for those fussy eaters. For best results, feed Easy Light as part of your horse's balanced ration. Replace those lost salts and keep your horses on their water through the long hot summer. Pride's Easy Light and Pride's Energy Pack, a winning double from Pride's Easy Feed. Masters in the field of equine nutrition. It was an apprehensive but very excited Ben Brisbane who arrived in Melbourne from his native England in 2013. A former amateur jockey and third generation horseman was totally focused on a training career but knew he had a lot of work to do if that dream was to become a reality. Six months as a work rider for Mark Kavanagh got him up and running and later a rewarding five-year stint with Hayes and Dabenig came his way at the famous Lindsay Park property at Euroa. Almost four years ago, Ben decided it was time to bite the bullet and go it alone in the very tough Victorian market. He and partner Heather opted for the rural life when stabling became available in the great racing city of Wangaratta. As the new year gets underway, Ben Brisbane's image as a horse trainer is gaining momentum. He has 50 horses in work at Wangaratta. He has 170 winners already on the board and a reputation for taking horses to venues where they're best placed. Ben and Heather went a step further by purchasing a 180-acre property on the outskirts of town a couple of years ago, and that's where they live with four-year-old twin boys James and Brody. Let's catch up with a young Englishman who landed in Melbourne a decade ago with an overload of energy and a head full of dreams. Ben Brisbane, much has happened in 10 years. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's been a, it doesn't seem like we've been here for that long, but um, yeah, time flies when you're having fun, I suppose, and especially the last two or three years where um, it's been quite fruitful and we've been pushing on as, as best as possible. Mm. What motivated the move to Australia 10 years ago? What ignited the spark? Um, I, well, I um, always had the passion for flat racing and it's very much an international sport. So I was pretty keen to get some international experience on my CV and have a good look around. 
And it was very much that uh, the first port of call was Melbourne due to uh, just connections I had um, at the venue. And uh, so that was the first, um, you know, what first, um, first place that was supposed to be a sort of world tour, but uh, we sort of fell in love with the place. And um, mm. when we got here, Victorian racing especially seemed to just thrive and the prize money was going up and it seemed like such good opportunity for young people that worked hard. Um, we had to sort of stay, stay where we were put and have a go. Mm. Did you have the job with Mark Cavanagh lined up before you arrived or did you literally go out and find it? No, I had it lined up, but only through a friend. Um, I literally landed um, at Tullamarine Airport at ten o'clock on a on a Sunday evening, and uh, I was in Flemington at four o'clock the next morning uh, for my first day on the first morning on the job. So, um, yeah, there was no there was no holiday at the start of it. So, but um, I suppose change is always as good as a holiday. Mm. You wrote a little bit of work too for Simon Zara and Matt Ellerton. Yeah, only um, a number of weeks towards the end of my first year in Australia. Um, it's interesting to see how all these different trainers and combinations train. I, I mean, I'm, I'm quite—I'd like to think I'm quite a vigilant person. I'm not someone that goes out uh, and asks questions, but. Uh, I'd be reasonably confident by the end of sort of 12 months in Flemington that I'd have a fair idea of how most of the trainers there would tra train and campaign their horses. Yeah. Um, and that's the way I've sort of been all the way through life. You soaked it up like a giant sponge. That's it, absolutely. Yeah. Now, let me see if I've got this right, Ben. You originally had only a short stint with Lindsay Park. Then you went home to England to collect your thoughts before returning to Australia to take up a full-time foreman's role at Euroa. Is that why it happened? Um, nearly. Um, yeah, well, I, I, I'd, I had, uh, I'd worked for Lindsay Park probably four months of my first 12 months in Australia. Uh, and then when it went home uh, for a number of months and when it got cold, I thought it was time to come back here. Mm. Um and it was just that connection with Lindsay Park to start with that they were, um, they always left the door open to come back to them uh, in Euroa if we want, if I wanted to. Mm. Uh, and when I landed there, I was enjoying my work. I was only there as a stable hand and a rider. I wasn't there in any position. But um, not too long after, um, I sort of committed to stay to being sponsored by Lindsay Park. Mm. Uh, in a four-year stint, the, the job as a senior foreman came about and I suppose I put my hand up for it, having worked as an assistant trainer in the UK but not actually having any sort of um, leading senior roles mm. in Australia. I had a bit of qualification behind me and they saw that because I'd just committed to them for a number of years, I was willing. they were willing to put the, the, a bit of faith in me and uh, it went from there. You wrote a lot of work for Lindsay Park in that era and you handled some really nice horses. I think I read somewhere you were one of Red Kirk Warriors' regular track companions. Yeah, he was he was my my standout favourite horse while I was there. He was a, a very unique character um, who wasn't the most straightforward horse to train and they did a wonderful job to get as much as they did out of him. 
Um, he had uh, pretty ordinary feet as well, so the farriers there just did a wonderful job, and we all worked as a team, you know, to know when when we was going to be shod pre-race and and all that sort of thing. And uh, it was nice to be part of that uh, journey where he won a couple of new markets and amongst other races. And um, when he won the Lightning, it was a, a huge thrill for me. Mm. Lindsay Park, of course, uh, features some spacious grass gallops and. I imagine being out there early morning, you'd have felt pretty much at home. Yeah, it was it was right up my my uh, alley, really. Although I I thoroughly enjoyed working in Flemington. I'm I'm not a a city city guy. I'm a country boy, um, so it really suited me being out at Euroa there. Um, I, th- I think even even the um, the weather is just a little bit milder. Uh, and suited me and 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 while i was there you know they probably grew f- um you know well over 100 horses extra by the time i started it's the time we finished so mm. i liked it i liked the busy atmosphere and uh, i liked being part of a successful stable that was churning out the winners week on, week in week out mm. are you still riding work at wangaretta I do. I ride um, some some of the slower work and, and maybe some of the horses that need a bit of education or a bit tough. Um, I'm happy to put my hand up when uh, some of the other riders aren't so keen. But um, when we've got enough riders, I'm happy to stay on the ground and uh, play trainer. But when I need to get stuck in, I'm, I'm more than happy to, to put in a shift. Mm. To appreciate how you've become a member of the Victorian training ranks, I think we should look at your background and the training you've had with racehorses over most of your life. You're a native of Shrewsbury in Shropshire, right on the Welsh border. Your grandfather, Tony, was a hobby trainer. Your father, Mark, did well as a jockey and a trainer. He rode some 58 winners and he trained some 560 winners 26th of them over the jumps. You tell me he's a horseman through and through. Absolutely. Um, it's only really when you reflect and look back on what my father achieved with the stock he had that you can really appreciate it. Um, he was very much a, a bread and butter trainer who, um, you know, most of his, his success came through buying tried horses uh, at the horses in training sale for for relatively small money, uh, and just doing the best with with them that he could. Um, but he also, you know, won some nice races with the two year olds as well. But he, you know, he was one of those guys that never had a big budget to spend, but always seemed to have a nice horse or two in the yard for a long time. And uh, you can only really appreciate looking back how he won races with some of the horses he, he had, mm. uh, and it was very much about you know, getting the horses as fit as possible. And then, as I do now, campaigning them uh, where it's best suited. Mm. Belle Royale was one name that jumped off the page at me when I was reading about your father's record. Uh, He won several races with Belle Royale and then sold the horse on. And I think Belle Royale later won a Group 1 or a Grade 1 race in America. Yeah, I think he only paid maybe 800 guineas for her Mm. as a yearling and i think she went right on from winning at two to win 10 races 
uh, and then yeah, was sold to to America, where she won a Grade One on the turf, mm. and then she was sold to Japan, where I believe she's over there as a broodmare. Good. Millie Waters was another one he had some fun with. I think he won a decent race at Newmarket with Millie Waters. That's right. She was a little bit before my time, but um, I remember her, yeah, winning the sa- one of those sales races at Newmarket as a two-year-old. Uh, and then I can't remember if she was three or four, but she ended up getting um, transferred out to Mike de Kock for a, to mm. go to Dubai uh, for a winter. But I don't think it went. Um, it wasn't all plain sailing out there. But you know, another cheap horse, which uh, Dad did a, a really good job with. Mm. Your dad had great success on two particular tracks, Wolverhampton and Chester. He was champion trainer at both a number of times. Yeah, um, both tracks probably 45, 50 minutes away from home. So Wolverhampton's a synthetic track where um, you know, the majority of the – there'd be a meeting there every week during the winter um, and the stock that Dad had just suited the races that were there. Mm. Um, and Chester um, is a turf track, but probably my favourite track in the world. It's quite unique. It's uh, mm. almost a circle in circumference and um, – you always got a really big crowd there. You could get up to 20,000 people there in an evening meeting um, and you could literally put your arm out from the rails and touch the horses as they came past. So mm-hmm. uh, a track with great atmosphere. It's um, got the big Roman walls in the background and, uh, yeah, uh, probably my favourite track in the world. Mm, sounds great. I'll better get and have a look at it one of these days. I imagine on-pace runners would have had an advantage there. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but you know, as if it'd be, it's sort of similar to, to Mooney Valley, and that some days it's very leader biased, and other days mm. you can make ground. But uh, you just have to have. Um, it wasn't every trainer's cup of tea, but uh, my dad um, campaigned his horses and, and his better horses there um, as a rule, as it was close to home, and and um, and the owners enjoyed going there for their day out. Mm. You're one of five kids, three boys, two girls, and you have a sister, Rebecca, who was an amateur jockey. That's right. Yeah, uh, Becky, she she rode for a little while as an apprentice as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the only one that really st- has stayed in the industry. Uh, oldest brother's a tractor driver. Uh, younger brother um, is a personal trainer. Uh, and then we've got yeah Becky, who is uh, now a mother, and uh, Rachel, who's uh, um, she's had a number of jobs, but hasn't quite had her heart set on uh, what she wants to do for the time going forward. Mm. Your dad actually walked away from commercial training a few years ago when forced to leave the stables he'd occupied for a number of years at Shrewsbury. But you tell me, and this is good news, he's back in the racing game and working for a high-profile trainer. That's right. He, um, Yeah, the stables that we grew up in uh, or next to um, got converted into bar conversions and uh, the numbers had dropped off, so he thought it was as good a time ever to hang up the training hat. But, uh, yeah, he, he was working, went on to work for, for Donald McCain for a couple of years and now he's with uh, Hugo Palmer. Darren Mulpas, who um, you know is one of those more high-profile uh, trainers in the UK now, who 
you know, loves to campaign his horses both in the UK but also abroad. I think he's got horses in Dubai and Qatar and Bahrain at the moment. So, uh, yeah, no, an exciting stable to be uh, have a connection with. Well, thanks to the wonders of modern communications, your dad, Mark Brisbane, can keep track of all of your runners. Absolutely, and and you know a couple of those uh, owners that used to have horses with dad as well are always, um, you know, keeping an eye on how we're going over here. Um, dad hasn't made it out here so far yet. I think he's yet to get a passport. We'll, we'll try and get him out in the next year or two, and uh, so he can have a proper look at, at what we're up to and, and what we've been able to achieve. While working for your dad after finishing school, you decided to take on a college course in fishing and water management, and you gain that degree, you tell me, with honours. Yeah, that's right. I, I was never a big fan of going to school, and um, as most young people, we're not really sure what we're going to do um, post-school, so I'd always planned to take a year out and spend a bit of time at home um, and learn a bit more about the horses. Um, but I always always had booked in to go to uh, Rod Baston College just outside Wolverhampton to do a to do a, a course on water and fishery management, which was one of my interests at the time, and it was always going to be there as a fallback if needed be. And I suppose it's still there now if mm. anything was to go wrong. Mm. Well, soon after gaining that degree, you went to work for an iconic English horse trainer, Nicky Henderson has been champion UK jumps trainer six times. He's all-time leading trainer at the Cheltenham Festival. He's now in his mid-70s and going strong. You got on famously with Nicky Henderson. Yeah, it was when I was um, had left college, I did want to have a, a bit of a go at becoming a, a jumps trainer, but uh, it was very much with the view that if we weren't going to make it at the top, we weren't going to make it at all. So uh, I was fortunate to get into one of the better stables in uh, in the UK at the time, which was Nicky Henderson's. And mm-hmm. um, just at that time, uh, luckily, there was just an influx of superstar jumpers into that team. Um, mm-hmm. And the stable grew at the, sa- at the same time. So um, it was a great environment to be um a part of uh it was a little bit old school so you were taught how to do everything properly um the horses were trained to the minute uh he trained good horses very well but he also trained ordinary ones to make sure they won their races when they needed to so mm. it was just a great you know four years to be a, to be associated with a, with a team that won mm. everything in that time whether it was champion hurdles or gold cups or mm. um arkles you know supreme novices that you know a lot of the season was based around going to cheltenham which is coming up in a couple of months mm. and uh it was just great to sit on really good horses and, and work with really good people mm. is it a source of frustration and regret to nicky henderson that he hasn't yet been able to win a grand national I think it might be frustrating, but I don't think he loses any sleep over it. Mm. He wins plenty of big races every season. Uh, you know, he's currently got Constitution Hill, who's probably the best hurdler in the world at the moment, uh, and I think that takes up more than it, more of his time than uh, worried about the one race he hasn't won. Mm. 
Let's look at your riding career. You started as a kid on ponies and show jumpers. You later became an amateur jockey. You rode mostly on the flat with a handful over the jumps over about four years. You rode eight winners, including one in Germany, and you enjoyed every minute of it. Absolutely. Um, I'm a very competitive person, so as soon as we learned to ride racehorses, the natural next step was to try and become a jockey. Uh, my natural size meant that um, a professional career on the flat was never going to be an option. So um, it was the view of go as an amateur jockey on the flat to get a good grounding and then work into the jump scene. Um, it never quite materialised at the same time as being associated with all those good horses uh, at Nicky Henderson's. We were also surrounded by some pretty good jockeys at the time as well. So um, it didn't quite work out with a riding career, but like you said, I, I enjoy, enjoy all of it, even mm. though I was a bit hungry most of the time. <laughs> and uh, you never quite, uh, you can't re quite replicate that feeling uh, of riding your first winner. No, wonderful. Before we leave your Lindsay Park experience, I should say that you were rather taken one day by the presence of a certain veterinary nurse by the name of Heather McGee, whose job often brought her to the property. You immediately began to plan your strategy. Yeah, so, so um, Heather was actually, uh, as many of the workforce out there, they come out to do their their three months of um, country work to qualify for your second year visa, uh, as I did my first year when I went there. And uh, at the time, she turned up with a little dog um, who obviously couldn't be housed in the regular accommodation. And, uh, yeah, the only room available uh, where she could bring her dog was um, at my property just down the road. And, um, yeah, Heather moved in and um, one thing led to another. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, a couple of years later we're engaged and then uh, a couple of kids after that. Well, Heather is Scottish-born. She was a jockey in the UK when she was apprenticed to Luca Cumani. She showed a lot of talent. She wrote a dozen or so winners. She headed off to gain further experience in Italy, in Japan, and in the United States. But somewhere along the line, Ben, she sustained a back injury which would terminate her riding career. Yeah, that, that's right. Uh, Heather's got a lot of experience and, again, been surrounded by some some master trainers in Luca Kamani, amongst others. She um, spent a bit of time with John Gosden as well uh, in her later years in Newmarket. Uh, and again, she brings all that veterinary experience uh, to the stable also. And uh, yeah, it was it's unfortunate that, uh, yeah, she had that really nasty fall in America where she broke her back, which meant that her riding career was cut short. Um, there's some mornings we could surely have held, helped with her services, uh, riding track work, but uh, she's got a vital role now. Um, but apart from uh, you know running my life and looking after the kids, she yeah. uh, r runs the whole business and and all the admin and uh, yeah. just keeps us all in check. Worth a weight in gold. That's right. Yeah. Well, you and Heather are now enjoying life on the farm with those little twin boys, James and Brody, four years old. 
They'd be looking for some action, I imagine, every waking moment. Yeah, they're they're very full on, but uh, we love every minute of it. They're um, bundles of energy. They've uh, already got ponies and bikes, and um, I think they just think it's the normal to have, you know, dogs and cats and ponies and horses just roaming around the place. But uh, yeah, they're brilliant, and uh, we're really enjoying being parents. And everything we do um, is for them in the future, whether they want it or not. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I couldn't imagine my life without them anymore. Ben, I'll get you to stand by for a moment. We're going to clear a commitment on the podcast, and when we'll come back, we'll talk about that training base at Wangaratta. Back with Ben Brisbane after this break. The advent of the English millennium five years ago gave Sydney another important stepping stone to the golden slipper. Inglis and the ACT got together to formulate a $2 million race for horses sold as yearlings at Inglis auctions. The first millennium was run at Warwick Farm over 1,200 metres and produced the most impressive winner to date. Castel Vecchio came from last, blew the opposition away to win for Richard Litt and Joss Parr. In 2020, again at Warwick Farm, it was Prime Star, the winner for Tom Marquand, Richard and Michael Friedman on a heavy nine track. The millennium was switched to Randwick in 2021 when the flying profiteer led all the way to win easily with Hugh Bowman in the saddle. In 2022, Extravagant Star with Chad Schofield became the first filly to win the race for the Price Kent team. It was another filly last year when the Nisham trained learning to fly did a Castel Vecchio by storming home from near last. It was millennium number two for Chad Schofield. The sixth edition of the English millennium will be run at Randwick on February the 10th, supported by the Group 3 Eskimo Prince and the listed Lonro Plate. My special guest is Ben Brisbane. You're right on course at Wangaratta, where training facilities are very, very good. You've got a training grass You've got the course proper from time to time. You've got a synthetic track. You've got one sand track with a second one under construction. And they tell me the swimming pool is an eye-opener. Yeah, no, we've, uh, there's, no, um, there's no excuses with the training facilities we've got here. Um, it cops uh, the weather very well also. So um, in a part of the world where uh, we can get plenty of ranger in the winter it doesn't uh, slow us up with our training um and i suppose the biggest pull of wangaratta is the, its location in general uh, to a, any number of tracks in the local area where uh, the horses we have are especially well suited to the grade and uh, we think we can get a pretty good return uh, for owners that invest in us well you're a regular over the border in New South Wales, you're at Wagga frequently, Albury, Corowa, Gundagai, Narandra, and others. Leeton is another one. You've had runners more than once. And on Saturday, the 27th of January, you turned up at Tumbarumba and you won a race with a horse called Bromeo. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's a unique experience, Tumbarumba. We've actually taken three horses there in the last two years for a couple of winners. So it's a, it's a once a year event uh, and they only have small fields around there, but uh, all those races carry prize money and all our horses 
uh, need that to warrant keeping them in work. So uh, if we can take a couple up there and have a bit of fun with our owners, then we're happy to. But uh, yeah, we're very well located to pop over the border to those venues that you um, you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thoroughly enjoy going up to to Wagga to their staying their staying races. They seem to really suit our horses and. Um, We've won the last couple of years of staying series there with different horses, and uh, we'll be trying to do the same again this year. Speaking of Gundagai, last November, you and the Affinity Syndicate had a day out when Super Archie won the $100,000 Snake Gully Cup with a very talented rider in the saddle, Nick Hayward. Yeah, um, we took three horses up for the two-day meeting and, and all three of them won, so we were pretty wrapped with that result, but especially Super Razi in the Cup. Um, I actually went to Gundagai the first year I started training mm. and finished second in the Class 1 on Snake Gully Cup day, but I always the atmosphere there was electric and uh, I always wanted to take a horse back there for the for the cup and to actually win it uh, mm. gave me a, a, a massive thrill uh, and with that big carrot of the uh, big dance eligibility attached to it we've now got something to really look forward to um, on Melbourne Cup Day even though it is up in Sydney Yep. well you're safely locked in all you've got to do now is plot his course yeah and keep him keep him sound and healthy so it's uh it sounds easier than it actually is, but um, it's nice to have targets to work towards. Uh, I really enjoy setting horses for those sort of races where you've got to qualify to get in and you sort of half know what the field's going to be through those qualifiers. Mm. Um, you know, we've won the um, the Cranbourne Stayers final a couple of years ago with Nordic Pride but, and also the uh, country um, country trainers race series at Mooney Valley a few years ago with uh, Fontaine Diamond, who was our biggest winner at the time. So uh, it's mm. it's good fun and and good good to have a plan with certain horses going forward. Mm. Well, Super Archie gave you another big thrill a couple of months after the Snake Gully Cup when he won a benchmark race at Flemington with Zach Spain in the saddle, and I think that was your first win on the historic Flemington track. That's right. Um, we'd almost gone full, full, full circle then from being at Flemington that first morning in Australia to actually training my first winner there. Um, was a bit surreal. We we tried and failed a few times and the last season we had a couple of seconds there, including Super Arzi himself and I just thought maybe it was never going to come uh, in the end but um he's been a, a fantastic horse for us mm. um really gone through the grades the whole way through and doesn't look like he's finished yet and uh, a special day to have my mother on course as well who who comes over for a couple of weeks every year so wonderful you could say it was you could say it was scripted but it, it wasn't quite but uh it was a joy to have her present mm. ben you'd love a barn full like subarazi seven wins 10 placings $424,000. They're hard to find. They absolutely are. And uh, to think he was a horse that was passed in in two yearling sales, um, you know, we're just lucky that he turned up in our barn at the right time and uh, he's been a massive help uh, boosting the 
boosting the yard and and just getting our name out a little bit more. And like you said, I'd, I'd love I'd love uh, another half a dozen of them. Special mention of your very first winner, shoplifter at Albury. I bet you got off your seat and gave him a decent cheer. Absolutely, he um, again. He just came along at the right time. Um, he's actually we've got him in the garden at home pretty much. He's he'll stay with us for life. But uh, again, you you never forget your first winner that we to be trained. Uh, and he did a, he did a really good job for us until his knees just gave out a little bit. So we uh, retired him nice and safe and sound. And um, he's just a beautiful horse uh, in general. Lovely personality. The kids can run around him, and mm. um, he's very safe, and uh, he'll be there on the farm till the end of his days. And uh, I'll always be grateful to him to supply us with our first winner. And he's not the only boarder um, on the uh, Wangaratta Retirement Farm. No, there's a couple of others there. There's uh, Garokan Express, who gave me my first Metro winner. Uh, I think we won six races with him in total, and um, we've also got Windforce, who was a a favourite of mine at, while I was at Lindsay Park, and when he came up for sale online, I was happy to purchase him for the latter part of his racing career, where he also gave us a couple of wins and uh, took us to a couple of Metro tracks, and we had a, a really good bunch of owners in him. We mm. had great fun, and uh, he'll be with us forever as well. Garogan Express, you've mentioned, your first city winner. Uh, he won at Mooney Valley. There's a good story behind the Garogan Express too, isn't there? Yeah, he was a he was an ex-Lindsay Park horse as well, and uh, he took an age to break his maiden. He just, just you know, was never getting beaten far, but just looked like he was never going to win a race. And we, we took him back to the picnics, uh, to try and get a win with him and uh, get some confidence. And he, he actually get finished second his first try in the picnics, uh, but then won his second and third before going on um, to his following prep, winning um, three in a row. Uh, and then a couple of starts later, he, he was our first Metro winner. So uh, again, another horse that we'll be forever in, indebted to. And mm. um, he's, a, he's a joy to have around the place. He's he's used at the farm mm. uh, as a nanny for a few of our horses that can get a bit above themselves. Mm. Um, he's He's got a pretty good job in bringing them down a peg or two when needed. You've already mentioned Fontaine Diamond. Um, she won a very good race one day. It was a country mile final at Mooney Valley, a $250,000 race. I think Patrick Maloney was the rider. That's right. Um, she was a tried horse when we had it transferred to us. With the the um, the plan was to just campaign her as softly as possible and try and win another race or two with her uh, for the owners. And um, she won a couple, and then it was coming up to Wangaratta Cup Day, and we were going to run her in the thirteen hundred meter benchmark race. And she was going to be an emergency. So um, I also had her in the mile race on the day and accepted with her in that race where she was mm. um, guaranteed a start. And uh, if you were to run top three in that race, it gave you uh, automatic entry into the final of that series. And it was the, the year that they tried um, with a reduced stick or no stick. Mm. And, uh, yeah, she was... Um, 
good enough to win the qualifier and, and then go on and win the, the final mm. a couple of weeks later, which, uh, yeah, gave us just the most enormous thrill to just be there on the day. Mm. Uh, All-Star Mile Day was, was, was brilliant, but to actually pick up a race mm. uh, with that prize money uh, really propelled us forward and um, it gave, gave the, the, the stable the exposure it needed uh, that year where we were we were getting winners, but we just needed a little bit of uh, quality. Yeah, needed a story in the paper. Mm. Yeah. To say Nordic Pride is one of your favourites is a massive understatement. He came from South Australia originally. You've won eight races with him, including one at Sandown. He's been placed four times in Sydney. When do we see Nordic Pride again? He's he's in work now. He had a, a jump out uh, on uh, Monday, and he's heading towards that Wangaratta Cup meeting. Uh, he's been just the most marvelous horse to have in the stable, owned by brilliant people who really support the stable strongly. And um, I remember after I had him a couple of months um, at the very start, I remember doing the update and telling the owners this is the best handicapped horse in Australia. And he was handicapped 50 at the time. And, uh, yeah, like you say, a, a number of wins later, uh, mm. he's now rated in the 70s and been close to 80 at one stage. And um, he's won nine races in total. And uh, if I can get him to that magical 10 mark, uh, it'd give me the most enormous thrill. Yeah. Uh, he was... Uh, he had a little paddock injury before his last preparation and he looked like he trained off. But uh, we got him back in form, sending him over to, to Wagga for a couple of softer races with our uh, our apprentice, Alicia Warren, mm. riding him. Uh, and she won two in a row with him. And just just that uh, the joy I had that day was unbelievable just to, to see yeah. her. One of my all-time favourites back in form with a with yeah you know and doing a job for a young rider, giving her confidence, yeah, winning races is is something I really enjoy. You seem to know when you've got the right horse for Sydney. I remember you sent Storm King up twice last year for wins at Kenzo and at Canterbury with Sam Clipperton on board on both occasions. He bolted in at Canterbury, won by a big space. Yeah, um, I do really enjoy, um, I follow racing all around Australia, but I do enjoy uh, the metro scene in Sydney, even though we're not a big part of it. And uh, we certainly keep one eye on the nominations and the races that are coming up. I'd love to win a Saturday race there um, in the not too distant future. And Nordic Pride came very close last year, but... um, we're well located. It's only sort of seven hours on the highway, mm. uh, so it's just a an a, a overnight journey to get them up to Ramwick, where we have good help up there. So, mm. uh, if the right race is there and there's prize money, we're happy to travel. But you send the right horses, Ben. That's the point. And punters, serious punters, should watch out for any Ben Brisbane horse that happens to uh, be among the final acceptors in a Sydney race, because. Um, he only sends them if he's super confident they're going to equip themselves well. Dash to the bar should get special mention. Seven wins, 12 placings, and the best part about Dash to the bar is the fact that you owned him. 
That's right. He actually ran second to um, Shoplifter when he won us our first race. So he's always a horse we've known about and, and seen locally for a couple of years. And um, at the time, we were looking for a couple of horses to buy ourselves to support our apprentices in the early parts of their careers. Mm. Um, so they'd have rides under no pressure. So when this old horse came up for sale, um, I thought he was on the right side of the handicapper for uh, a job he'd done before. So I was happy to go ahead and purchase him. And, and when he arrived in the stable, he just he just did exactly what we wanted him to. He's um, been wonderful to not just me, but you know the, some of our riders mm. in the stable. Um, Hannah Edgley's won on him. Uh, Hannah LeBlanc had her first ever win on him, which is something that gave me great pleasure and um something i think about regularly yeah um yeah those those young jockeys need to be given a chance and i'm sure um i'm sure they're they're very grateful and and they remember these old horses that look after them Mm. um when they needed it mashinka was a bit of fun eight wins 20 placings country wins admittedly but it's hard to win eight races anywhere yeah, and especially at her age, again, she's not one we've had the whole way through. Uh, we got her when she'd only won a couple of races around Tatura, uh, but she just seemed to be improving with age. So she won last week as a nine-year-old um, and doesn't look like she's finished with yet. So she's just another horse that we've had great fun with and try to, to place uh, accordingly, she's a, a Taiwan Cup winner, which is uh, will always be on the mantelpiece, and uh, we might target her back at that race again uh, this season. You've already made your name as a successful tutor of apprentices, and it's well known uh, that you give them wonderful support. You've mentioned Hannah Edgley. She was a great flag bearer for the stable. You won a lot of races with Hannah. Haven't seen her lately. Did she go to South Australia for a while? Yeah, she she got to the point here where she, the country claim had nearly gone, um, mm. and we we're trying to give her more exposure to the city. But it was the right time of year um, over spring where she could go to South Australia and get better opportunities. Mm. Um, so she went and did the stint there, and she's currently having a bit of a a spell and time out. Um, um, and then we'll see see uh, what happens when she comes back, but. Uh, she really burst onto the scene at the same time we did, mm. uh, and we had a great partnership for a long time and plenty of winners together. And uh, yeah, it was just nice to, to go through that um, emergence with someone, you know, as a as a duo. So mm. uh, we had plenty of fun together, and um, yeah, look forward to the rest of it. Hannah LeBlanc came to you on loan, I believe, from Lindsay Park. That's right. Hannah came to us for um, for more opportunities. We've said before we're in a good area to pop across the border to some lesser meetings where those young young jockeys just need to get on horses and, and get riding uh, at the weekends. So we're happy to take people on board that are willing to put the work in, which Hannah certainly did. Uh, like we said, Dash the Bar gave her her first winner. Uh, and she's won him since. And uh, Hannah still continues to come in and ride track work for us two or three times a week, which we're very grateful for. Uh, and she's just a nice person to have around. Alicia Warren is currently in form. 
on the Brisbane horses. You were lucky to borrow her from a leading stable. That's right. She came up to us from from Danny O'Brien's where she'd done all her trials and started race riding. But just, uh, again, the opportunities weren't there um, at that time. It was a good time for her to come up here and pop across the border again mm. to those suitable meetings and um, get good experience, ride a couple of winners, get a confidence. Uh, and if you see how she's riding now, um, it's remarkable how far she's come in, in six months' time. I think she mm-hmm. you know, had five winners within the last week, and uh, just just riding with great riding with great confidence, and uh, we have plenty of confidence in her as well. A few awards have come your way in recent times, and one of them gave you a very big buzz. You were voted the Colin Alderson Rising Star um, Trainer Award recipient for 2021. That award previously had been won by Mitch Friedman, Matt Kumani, Archie Alexander and Nick Ryan. It's a coveted award. Yeah, it's a good honour roll, isn't it? Um, mm. Yeah, big thrill at the time. Um, I, I knew we were sort of, we'd done a good job that season and to get, um, to get the recognition like that gave me and the whole team a, a massive thrill. Um, but now we just got to continue it, I suppose. Um, we're certainly not resting on our laurels and uh, always pushing forward. And uh, you're always chasing that next winner. Mm. You see yourself at Wangaratta ten or fifteen years from now, or would you consider a move to the metropolitan area if the right opportunity came up? Um, I think I'm, it, uh, our, always our main base will be in the country. Um, we've got the stables here on course at Wangaratta and then we've got the farm, which is uh, developing slowly, um, which we're really looking forward to utilising that when it's completed. Mm. But I uh, certainly wouldn't rule out a, um, a satellite yard in Melbourne. Um, it's certainly something we've thought about and spoken about before and will again. Um and you never know with these uh, training partnerships whether uh, we were to link up with someone in the future, it might be a good uh, business plan going forward. But um, nothing's been uh, put in put to go, put to go in the uh, in no. the immediate future. But certainly wouldn't rule it out going forward. No. Well, it's been a hell of an adventure so far, Ben. When you left Shrewsbury in two thousand and thirteen to conquer the world. You couldn't have imagined you'd be training professionally and successfully in Australia with a wonderful Scottish partner by your side and a pair of dynamic Aussie twins to keep you on your toes. Not too much you'd change. Certainly not. It's not about what's happened. It's what's going to... uh, It's all about pushing on forward now in the future and uh, building something for those boys, whether they want it or not, and uh, just doing the best for our owners with the horses we've got. But um, can't wait for the rest of the season and uh, seasons um, coming. You're 36 currently. Uh, 35. (laughs) I tack one on inadvertently. Yeah, I have to think about it sometimes. <laughs> yeah, 35, great age, Ben. Um, it's just beginning for you. Yeah, hopefully. I think I think um, 
if you told us where we are now when we first started this journey, we would certainly would have taken it. But um, we've got a taste for success, and um, like I said, we want to have we want to be competitive and have winners every week, and uh, we've just got to continue to do the best with our horses. So the owners continue to invest within mm. the company, and uh, yeah, we'll try be trying every day. Ben Brisbane, thanks for joining us on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. Lovely to chat. Thanks for having me. A message for trainers of thoroughbred, standard bred and performance horses. Pride's Easy Feed would like you to know a little more about a new product called Energy Pack, a top-up feed designed to replace cracked or flaked corn in a horse's diet. Energy Pack comes in small cubes of extruded corn and full-fat soybean and is six times more digestible than raw corn. Energy Pack isn't a complete feed. You simply use it to top up your horse's normal ration. Energy Pack will help you to stay ahead in the war against acidosis. Energy Pack comes in 20-kilo bags and is a palatable con concentrated source of energy. Speaking of acidosis, Pride's also recommends Easy Light, a great tasting electrolyte. Its glucose and fruit flavoring is just the ticket for those fussy eaters. For best results, feed Easy Light as part of your horse's balanced ration. Replace those lost salts and keep your horses on their water through the long hot summer. Pride's Easy Light and Pride's Energy Pack, a winning double from Pride's Easy Feed. Masters in the field of equine nutrition.